You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. I love preaching here. <clears throat> I'm really happy to be back. I love this place. But let me pray and then we'll just get right to it, okay? Holy Spirit, please come near to us. We love you, Jesus, so much. And I just pray that you would open our minds, that you would renew us, that you would bring us into this place of rest and your approval and of your affirmation and of your validation and that we would know today, this morning, who you say we are and we can just stay in that place. Thank you for that, Jesus. We love you so much. Amen. <clears throat> so if you've been, been here the last few weeks or um, if you haven't been here the last few weeks, the church has been kind of going through this, this discussion or this exploration of intimacy with God. And so there's been all these like different people sharing their experiences with how they kind of receive love from God and how they approach God. And, and so, you know, they've been very spiritual conversations, okay, which is good. We should have spiritual conversations here at church. Uh, but they've just been various expressions of, of kind of intimacy with the Father. So I'm going to continue on in that vein, and I'll just cut right to it. Um, for me, you know, when I think about intimacy, it's, it's really connected to identity, okay, like who I am and how I see myself. Um, it, because that really got, impacts how I approach God, that impacts how I approach the world, how I live life, that impacts the decisions that I make. And so for me, it's kind of like a really, really critical thing. And I also, you know, I, I really do believe that there's something inherent in all of us. Uh, like there, there's this inherent desire for us to be known. You know what I mean? Like I'll, I think everybody in this room wants to be known in some shape, form, or fashion. You know, we're human beings, it's just kind of, part of the deal. And when I say like being known, um, I mean like there's, there's validation in that. Like there's affirmation in that. There's approval in that, right? We like that because sometimes we feed off that stuff. Whether it's coming from the world or it's coming from God, like it's something we feed off of. And this is especially true for me, okay? So when I think of um, intimacy with God, uh, I think of it kind of in a way and how, you know, he, he shapes my identity, okay? So so in my experience, intimacy can be, you know, a place of refuge. And just a little disclaimer. So as we move through this, you know, if this isn't kind of where you kind of experience God and you're intimate with him, that's okay. You know, I'm just kind of sharing with you my approach and my experience and how I best kind of enter into that deep, close space with him. So like in that vein, you know, intimacy can really be a place of refuge for me. So it's like this place where I can always run to. I know it's there. I know there's like, there's goodness there. God's going to pat me on my hiney. You know, when I'm, when I'm wounded or harmed, I can always run to this place and be safe. I can be fed. I can be nurtured back to health. You know, like it, it's just this, this great place where I can go and I can hide with him. But identity for me can also be like this double-edged sword where it's this pain point in my life where it reminds me of my insecurity. It reminds me of who I'm not in spite of who I thought I should be. So it, it becomes this painful thing. And then it, instead of running to it, I run from it because I'm trying to chase it. And I'm in, I'm in this aimless pursuit trying to figure out who I am because I don't know who I am and I, I, I'm not who I thought I should be by now or something like that. And so it, this wedge kind of develops inside of me spiritually. Like it, it inhibits the way I approach God. It inhibits the way I approach others. It's this very like critical, massive thing. And I think this is true for all of human beings. But let me, let me go ahead and clarify and kind of 
Let's bring us forward. So let's hold hands. Let's walk through this identity discussion a little bit. But take a look at this image here. I just want to kind of break it down. That's my boy. His name is Caden, the high flyer. So I, I, was, at, um, I was at a party yesterday, and it was a, a college graduation party, ironic enough. We had a bounty house there for my brother-in-law. He's in his mid-20s, but we had a bounty house at his party. So, you know, anytime you have a bouncy house at a party, um, it's like, you know, it's the kingdom of God for little kids. I mean, as soon as we pulled up, Caden darted out of the van, and we just, we hadn't even pulled down the cul-de-sac. You know, he just took off. There's a bouncy house at Mimi's house. So he runs, and so the boys, you know, they gravitate towards the bouncy house. So the whole time we're there, um, immediately they go, and they begin, like, climbing up the bouncy house, as you would think that a little four-year-old or five-year-old would do. And they'd get to the top, and they'd scream out for me. They'd say, Daddy, no matter where I'm at. They, they can't even see me in their peripheral. I'm not even in their visual. They just scream, Daddy, and, and they wait for me to respond. I'd say, Yeah, wherever I'm at. And they'd say, Watch this. And then, boom, he commences to go flying, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, then, and then the next one, Titus, he's, he's the younger one. Same thing, Daddy, big, huge smile. He waits for me to respond. And I say, Yeah. Uh, and then, poop, he jumps to and does some sort of roll thing down it. And they continue to do this. And for some reason, like, when I look at them right before they jump, you know, they're just filled with joy as soon as I respond to them and I show them that I see them, that I'm watching. And for some reason, it brought me great joy. So they would jump and they'd come to the bottom. They'd look at me and I'd give them a thumbs up. And then they would smile and they'd go back to the top. And then they would do it again. But the next time, they would do it even farther, they would say, Daddy. I'd say, yeah. And then they'd, they'd do some crazy stuff, you know. They'd just let go. And they'd come to the bottom again. They'd look at me. I'd give them a thumbs up. And they'd go back to the top. And then this time, you know, they would do it with even more reckless abandon. Every time I confirmed for them I was watching and that I approved, they would go even farther. They would take even more risks. They would have no fear. And they would just leap off to the bottom. And for some reason, as I watched my sons flying through the air uninhibited, it brought me great joy. You know, it just did. And them as well. At the same time, like we're having like this really interesting exchange between each other. My boys and me, we're not like physically showing our love, but we're just kind of acknowledging each other. And we had like this deep connected moment as they're leaping off the bouncy house with no, no concerns at all for what may transpire when they hit the bottom. But they just know that they just know that daddy approves and daddy's giving them a thumbs up and daddy is watching so it's almost like you know we were having fun being known by each other seriously i liked knowing that they cared that i was watching and they liked knowing that i was watching and giving them a thumbs up it's kind of like this deep intimate moment it just was and so it kind of brought me to this conclusion where i began to to think that you know for me the times when I feel most intimate with God are the moments in which I feel most known by Him. Can you relate to that? So the times when I feel most intimate with God are the times in which I feel most known by Him. And that's where I begin to enter into that deep, close space with Him. And why is that? You know, I, I mean, it's just really peculiar. Why, do I, why is this in us? Why do I have this desire to be known, even be known by my children? We have this desire to be known and there's something good about it. And then when we recognize that we're known and we're approved of, we, we take risks. We, we live life to the fullest. It's interesting. We go flying through the air. He's, he's living life to the full in that moment. And it's, it's this peculiar thing. And you just please remember 
that when I say being known and to know, just remember there's some things wrapped up in that. There's validation, approval, and affirmation, all wrapped up in that us being known piece. It's a very healthy piece. It's a very normal need that we have. But it, it, it absolutely affects our identity. So like how we view ourselves. Val- validation, affirmation, and approval are all wrapped up in identity. And I think our identity is actually very powerful. It's a very powerful thing that we live with. Because we all have it. And we're, we're either struggling with it or we're certain with it, whatever it may be. But regardless, it does shape the way we live our life, does it not? If we're fearful, if we're insecure, sometimes that becomes a place that we live from. And we make decisions from that place or we, we chase who we think we should be. And it's, like this, it's not this life-filled experience. It's actually kind of tormenting and enslaving and it feels like death, not life. Because we're always chasing something that we already have in the Father. So think back to Titus and Caden. And their response to my approval, what would they do? They'd go farther. They'd jump off. They had no fear at all when they knew that I was watching and I approved. And the Bible even speaks to that, you know, perfect love casts out all fear. They were just fearless and free, living in the moment, living life to the fullest. It's interesting. Now think about your life and, and my life. You know, think about the experiences you've had with this idea, this reality of approval. The times when you felt most approved by like maybe your manager or your parents or your friends or even just some random stranger. I mean, how does that feel when you're approved? It feels good. You feel like a million bucks. You're like tipping people at the door. You're doing, you know, you're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Approval is such a, it can be such a beautiful and just freeing thing, but it can also be like a very enslaving thing. Think about the times when you didn't have approval from people you desperately wanted it from. The strangers, the teachers, your family, maybe even God. Does it not inhibit the way you approach the relationship with them? Does it become kind of inhibiting because you feel like you're falling short of this expectation that they are projecting on you? And it begins to alter the way you live. It, it begins to affect the closeness of the relationship, the depth of the intimacy you have with that person or with God. So again, I submit to you, our identity is powerful. And I would argue that the Christian experience is more about being than it is about doing. Are you with me? Let me say that again. The Christian experience is more about being than it is about doing. It's all wrapped up in identity. The gospel tells us who we are. The work of Jesus on the cross screams to us who we are and who God says that we who he knows us to be the devil has been screwing with our identity from the beginning of time he just has and so I love telling people that they're sons and daughters I love being told that I'm a son and daughter because it's this powerful thing and so when we begin to rest in the place of identity the rest in the place of God's approval on us the doing will take care of itself and I'll show you a little more as we go on but we can begin to define ourselves by the doing and all the stuff that takes place over here as opposed to just resting in the being of who God says that we are, made known to us through Jesus' work on the cross, the gospel. So maybe you're asking this. Josh, what is your evidence for this? What is your evidence that identity is so critical to people, to our existence, to how we live life? Why do you think it's so powerful and massive? What's your case? I I would argue to you that it's the baptism of Jesus. Bishop Gate talked about this a few weeks ago. 
when he talked about Jesus having the exchange with the Pharisees. Do you remember? And so after that exchange, Jesus goes off the place of his baptism to rest. It's just, I mean, it's very ironic that that's the place where you'll see there's this beautiful, intimate moment between him and the Father speaking to who he is. So let's take a quick look. Matthew chapter 3. It's a little vignette of, of, of this moment in Jesus' life. And so what's happening is he's getting ready to start his ministry. He's getting ready to enter into the wilderness, that sort of thing. So that's happening right here. He's meeting with John the Baptist, and this baptism takes place. And the author of the gospel, Matthew, writes it this way. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Let's, let's just soak that in. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So let's move from the intellectual to the experiential now. What does that moment feel like as you, as, you, as you observe what's taking place? Can you feel the depth of the intimacy taking place in that exchange between Jesus and the Father? I mean, it's, it's a very deep, close moment, right? He's talking about who he is. Can you see the, uh, the approval of the Father on Jesus? Is that clear? Can you see like how massive of a moment this is in the path and life of Jesus now could you see how massive of a moment this would be in the path and life of all of humanity this identity thing it's huge like God is telling him who he is so if you just look at that vignette that moment in time of Jesus's life there before he begins his ministry before he heads off into the wilderness you see these couple things as we observe what takes place God is pleased with him God calls him a son and God affirms his identity right before he heads off to go into the wilderness and face the devil. Isn't that interesting? Identity is big, man. It's powerful. Identity is powerful. And that's a loaded bullet point when I tell you that, okay? I totally know that. Like, it's powerful enough to destroy us and destruct us and enslave us and throw us off the, 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 the path to life. Or it's powerful enough to enable us to walk fully and freely in the love of God, in the certainty of his affirmation of us, in the reality that he approves of us. And so, in that vein, you know, God's pleasure doesn't end with Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Is he pleased with Jesus in this moment? Yes. And if he's pleased with Jesus, he's pleased with you. He is. That pleasure that you see on Jesus is the same pleasure that he has on us. The work of Jesus on the cross is our work as well. The goodness of God is now our goodness. Theologians call that imputed righteousness. I know that's a bomb to lob out into the crowd. But that's just a fancy term about theologians explaining that the goodness of God has literally been given to us by the perfect work of Jesus on the cross. It's this very spiritual exchange this is how God sees us. He sees his goodness on us. And I want you to know it's okay to see yourselves as this way. Like, that's okay. It's okay for us to come together as a community of faith and see ourselves the way that God sees us. Love your neighbor as yourself, you know? 
And so he sees his goodness on us. He's pleased with Jesus. He's pleased with us. I don't think that's controversial or innovative, you know? Like, he is pleased with us. And some of us, I think, struggle to begin to walk in that belief, to receive that. It's freeing, man. It's a very, it's a very real place of freedom to live from. So we either live from this, this certainty of who God says he is, says we are, and that he's pleased with us, or we live, and so we live from that approval, or we live to the approval of the world. Two very different systems. So we strive and we achieve because we're not sure of our value, because we doubt how God sees us. And so we need affirmation from others as opposed to him. But it's important to know that his approval is real. Take a look at this image. That was right on Delwood Avenue in Five Points a couple days ago. I'm just kidding. That, that's, no, I'm sorry. I don't even know what the joke means, but if there was, I would start preaching to everybody. That'd be awesome. But that's a big crowd, right? <laughs> I think, you know, there's a couple ways to look at this picture. You know, some of us, we feel like we're, we're just in the crowd. We're not known, okay? We're just one of billions. God doesn't see us. He doesn't know us. Yeah, he loves us, but he doesn't approve of us. We're not certain of our value, and so we need to strive and achieve to kind of stand out from the crowd. I call this achievable value. Like we're, we think we don't have value from God, so we, work, we, we live in ways, we work in ways to try to obtain it, even though we already have it because we want to stand out from the crowd. Or you can view this in another way. Some people hide in the crowd. They hide from God in the crowd. They don't want to be known. They're not, they're not sure it's okay for them to be known because they feel shameful. They feel guilty. They feel like they are their sin. And so it's a place where you hide. And both are destructive. Both are not true. It's garbage to think that we're defined by our sin. We're not. We're not defined by our works. We're not defined by our failures. We're defined by the work of Jesus on the cross. God's heart for us made known forever. Take a look at this other image. (laughs) You're probably thinking, how in the world is he going to connect this? Do you approve of her? As soon as you see that picture, you're like, approved. (laughs) And I would argue that the same is true in the reality of the kingdom of God. I mean, we're approved. He sees us in this way, like immediately, instantly. I'm pleased with her. I'm not going to not be pleased with her. God is pleased with us because he's pleased with Jesus. It's a massive truth. It's a massive place from which to live. If we have the approval of the Father, we don't need the approval of the world. Amen? Come on. That shapes the way we live. We'll live a little differently, you know. And, you know, I'm connected to her. I had a part in co-creating her, you know. <laughs> I mean that in the most conservative way. But God allowed, you know what I'm saying? Like, she, she's from, I'm not trying to get myself into a hole here. But I'm connected to her, you know. Like, we're connected. Same thing with God. Like, we're created in his image. We're, we're his creation. The creator is connected to us. He loves us because we're his. You know, I, I wasn't sure if I should use this. I didn't use it in the last service. But, like, have you ever made something? Like, I made this whistle in junior high. And I still have it. And it doesn't whistle. Oh, yeah, it does. How about that? But, you know, you, it gives you a splinter when you, when you blow it, you know. So it's not the greatest thing. But I'll always be attached to this thing. That's why I haven't thrown it away. So I got my name on there, the whole deal. But I created it. And I'm pleased with it. This is my whistle and who I'm well pleased, you know. 
But this, this is a kingdom truth. This is a kingdom reality. The same is true for how God views us. And so you can, I can make all kinds of different cases. I mean, the biggest case of all is the gospel, is the cross, is Jesus. But we're also his, we're created by him. We're made in his image, all these beautiful things. He is pleased to call us his sons and daughters. It's just true. So what do we do? You know, like when we're mired in trouble and anxiety and worry. I mean, what do we do when we're, when we're stuck uh, in the trap of defining ourselves by our sin or our failure or our works? What do we do? Well, here, I'll just give you, this is the practicum piece of the talk. Just, you know, we'll just do this right now. Um, but look, man, the, the scriptures are very clear. You can always go back to the scriptures to tell you about who you are. And, it's just, and, it, and when you learn about who you are, it speaks to the goodness and the glory of God, not to the goodness and the glory of man. So I want to make that clear. But it's this beautiful thing. Let's go to Ephesians. Paul writes this in his letter to the Ephesians. And when you, when you see this, I mean, he's talking about us. This is who he says we are. He writes this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of of his will. I mean, we're owned and adopted. We're purchased. You know, it's just this very intimate, close thing that we have with him. He's speaking to who we are. We're sons and daughters. We're adopted. Such depth of intimacy there. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood. He's brought us back to original value. For the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. God is so good. What a good God who would come and he would say that we're sons and he would pay this massive price to make it known that we are sons and to bring us back to life as sons and daughters. As, chi- as his children. I mean, how good does that God get? It's amazing and it's unending. And so just that scripture, just, you can just soak it in. We're owned and adopted. This is who we are. He is pleased with us because of his work, not ours. And so that pleasure never stops. It's, not, it's unending. And we can go to his Holy Spirit. And so what I would challenge us to do as a body is to get creative in our experience. You've probably, maybe you've been experimenting over the last few weeks about you know, this intimacy thing with, with God. But ask the Holy Spirit to tell you who you are. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. You could just sit in that and he can rain it all over you and he's going to tell you you're a daughter. He's going to tell you you're a son. He's going to tell you you're empowered. You're an heir to the kingdom. All these things are in the scriptures. This is who we are. You're adopted. I mean, just keep pouring it out, Lord, you know? Just tell him to tell you who you are and I guarantee he'll tell you. Or this, there's this great thing about this body of faith here. I know that I can always come here and people are going to tell me who I am. They're going to see me as God sees me. And it becomes this safe place, a refuge. And so I know I can come back here and I can be free. I can be healed. I can be wounded. or I can be, I can be mended up because I know you're going to tell me who I am. I can call some folks and say, dude, sometimes I'll just say, I need you to tell me I'm a son today. I need it. Or sometimes I'll send a phantom text to somebody 
you know, and I'm just fishing because I'm, I'm having some doubt about who I am and some fear. And I just say, hey, do you think I, this sounds crazy? I'm a little crazy right now. Hoping that they just, you know, they encourage me. They build me up. That's okay. That's part of the deal is walk, and walking along a community of faith. That's what we do with each other. We should be able to come here and tell each other who we are. It's very freeing. It's a beautiful thing. And so when that happens, when we know that we're known by God, when we know that we're approved by Him, when we begin to step in that place of renewal and rest, we'll begin to jump off the bouncy house in ways that we never thought we could. The fear will be cast out. It's true. It's real. I guarantee it. We'll begin to walk in this place of absolute approval from Him. It's so good. So church, please rise. My prayer is that you know how affirmed you are. That you know how approved you are. That you know how pleasing you are to God. Thanks be to His work through Jesus. And you can leave this place and you can rest in that truth. You are approved. It's a place from which you can live. It's not anything to be achieved, which also is freeing. So I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit would come near and bring us freedom and bring us into this place of rest and who He says that we are. God, we love you so much. And Holy Spirit, I just pray you would just come, come near to us right now. I pray that you would bring healing in this, in this space in our hearts. I pray that you would bring, help us come to this place where we can rest in your approval. I pray against anything that's inhibiting that in people's hearts today. And I just pray for just healing in this, this place of identity, this place of approval from you. In Jesus' name, I pray against anything that anybody has experienced from family or parents or friends, things that were spoken over them or against them that aren't true about who you say they are. May they come up this morning and have absolute and total rest in this truth and reality. We love you, Jesus.